Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we are starting a new book called As It Is Translated Correctly. We'll be reading the preface in chapter 1, which is entitled Textual Criticisms. We'll be on pages 1 through 11. This is... uh, a book that I've done before, twice, I think twice, Uh, once on my old podcast that got hacked, and all of the audio was deleted off the whole podcast, I had like 490 episodes, and then uh, I did this one as the first book on this podcast, oh, I think that was back in 2019. Actually, interestingly enough, it was April 6th, 2019 when I released that one. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, um, but I've gotten better at podcasting since then. And this is my seventh, 700th episode. So I thought I would revisit this book. Uh, something that... I mean, I just really enjoy this book. It's got a lot of information. I think there's more information out now than there was before um, about these things, but this one's got a a lot of really good information in it. This book was published quite a while ago. So, anyway, um, I will provide the text of this program in the link to this uh, podcast so you can go back and and read it and I will also provide a link in the description of this podcast so you can read the whole book for yourself Um, but it is one of my favorite books so let's get into it I'll dedicate the program and we'll get right into the reading Our Father, who art in heaven, we thank thee this day for the abundance of information that has gone out into the world. And though there are many true things and many false things, we trust in thee, Father, because you have given us the gift of the Holy Spirit that we might know through the Holy Spirit the truth of all things. We thank thee, Father, for giving us the guide of the scriptures to help us to know truth, that as we study whatever the thing is that we study out, we can take anything to you. And after we've studied it out and come to our own conclusions, we can ask Thee, O God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, even Jesus the Christ, if these things are true that we believe. And we can know that if there is an abundance and an increase in the Spirit, that we can know that the things that we believe are true. 
But likewise, we thank thee that if those things that we believe are not true, that the Spirit will withdraw from us and we will be left to the buffetings of Satan, which is a good thing, because in the withdrawal of the Spirit, we can know that the things that we believe are not correct, and we can turn away from those things and repent of our false beliefs and regain thy Spirit to be with us. Likewise, if we are neither correct or incorrect, but we need to study it out more, the absence of the Holy Spirit is a great indicator that we can take the time to learn more about the subject and return to Thee, O God, the Eternal Father, in prayer when we have gained more knowledge on the subject. Or if it is that we bring too much and some things are true and some things are false, the absence of your spirit can help us to know that we should bring things to you line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, that we might be built upon the rock of true and correct doctrine brought to us by a confirmation of thy spirit that we might be built upon the rock of revelation. Father, we thank thee for the opportunity to have our sins and our transgressions forgiven of us, that we might be wiped clean, that thy spirit would be with us more fully, that we might turn to thee and learn from thee as we take the time to study whatever it is that we're studying out whether it be something of a gospel topic or something of a secular and worldly topic, whether it be the laws of the universe, the laws of science, the laws of chemistry or botany or zoology or whatever it might be, that we can turn to thee to know truth and not just rely upon our fellow men, whether they are still living or whether they have passed on, that we don't have to trust in the flesh, that we can turn to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. For we know that in thee all truth dwells. And we know that in your Holy Spirit we can know the truth of all things, as the scriptures say. We love thee, Father. Help us that we might increase our love for thee. Help us to feel your love for us and for those around us. We thank thee, Father, for all of our many blessings. We thank thee, Father, that thou chose to put us on the earth at this time for such a time as this that we may be tools in thine hand to bring bring about thy kingdom upon the earth, to bring about Zion's redemption, or to help bring about Zion's redemption, that as we 
look forward to thee and learn to keep thy commandments that as we do all that you have commanded us or learn to do all that you have commanded us that we will be forgiven for the mistakes that we make if we continually repent and turn back unto thee and that as we look up as Zion is established below we shall at some point either come down with the Zion above if we pass before that time or we will be able to see it come down upon the earth with the church of the firstborn and perhaps stand upon the earth during the time of Adam and Andiamen. We are indeed grateful to be on this earth in these times that we might stand for thee and stand for truth no matter the winds that come against us or the fiery darts from the adversary please forgive us father of our weaknesses as we turn to thee and learn of thee and forgive us of our sins and our transgressions we ask for these things in the name of our beloved Redeemer and your only begotten Son, even Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Textual Criticisms, Chapter 1, of, as it is translated correctly, pages 1 through 11. Preface. The Bible has been perhaps most influential the most influential powerful and consistently read book ever printed it has been the source of inspiration and spiritual guidance for millions of people for thousands of years the evidence of faith courage and strength of those who have read it could never be fully told. Men have willfully faced untold agonies, torture, and prison. They have crossed deserts and Arctic, flown through space, gone beneath the sea, and struggled through every phase of life because of the inspiration they received from the Bible. The words of God as they flowed from the pen of prophets, apostles, and patriarchs have done more for mankind than all the armies and navies that ever conquered nations. Yet our Bible is not complete with all of the words of God to man, nor is it fallibly correct, for it presents translations. Many mistakes have been made by translators and scribes. Many portions were never included, while some places were not clearly understood or interpreted correctly. But worst of all, because of these misinterpretations or assumptions, Catholics have tortured and burned their Protestant brothers. And in return, Protestants have religiously and enthusiastically made war upon Catholics. 
Rivers of blood have flowed throughout history as Christians battled with other Christians. Through the misinterpretations of the Bible, thousands of innocent women and children have been murdered during the centuries of the Dark Ages and the Inquisition. Because of the misunderstanding of one word, many innocent women have been burned or killed as witches. For nearly 2,000 years, history has recorded some of the worst atrocities of man against man because they misunderstood the words of Jesus. Today, we have over a thousand different Christian religions, all claiming to be right as they denounce all others as being wrong. All are preaching different doctrines, yet they hold the same Bible in their hands. Unbelievable as it may seem, they still contend and make war upon each other. Why so much confusion? There may possibly be several reasons for such labyrinth of discord and contention. Number one, the Bible is being misinterpreted or disregarded or discarded. Number two, it is not written clearly enough for the universal understanding. Number three, the translators and scribes made errors. Number four, many plain impression, precious truths have been left out. Number five, and possibly it is a combination of all of the above. It is certainly evident that something is wrong. All this contention, confusion, and warring among Christians indicates that man has misinterpreted, mistranslated, and misunderstood the words of God. Chapter 1, page 7, Introduction Textural Criticism We believe the Bible to be the Word of God as far as, as far as it is translated correctly. So wrote Joseph Smith in the Eighth Article of Faith. But this has annoyed the modern Christians because they generally believe that the Bible has no errors in it and that it represents the complete, infallible words of God. This was expressed by anti-Mormon Floyd C. McElveen, who wrote, quote, In spite of, this, of the overwhelming evidence as to the, the accuracy and harmony of the Bible, the Mormons profess to believe the Bible insofar as it is translated correctly. End quote. The Mormon Illusion, page 41. Most of today's Christians would have us believe that there is overwhelming evidence to, to prove that the Bible is an accurate translation. But we should investigate the Bible just to see how accurately it has been translated and to observe just how much harmony there actually is among its books in history, names, teachings and teachings. This is not only interesting, but an essential and important research. Every Bible believer should be aware of its literally thousands of errors and inconsistencies, not to mention 
hundreds of different published versions of the Bible. Page 8 at 33%. To properly study the inaccuracies of the Bible translations, we must apply the science of textual criticisms. This is not disputing, condemning, or questioning the Bible as being the Word of God, but rather it is the study of errors in the text made by human scribes and translators. If this book is to be used as a guide in each Christian's life, is it not vitally important that when these inaccuracies are discovered and exposed, I'm sorry, is it not vitally important then that these inaccuracies are discovered and exposed? Textual criticism, commonly known in the past as lower criticism, in contrast to the so-called higher historical and literary, literary criticism, is the science that compares all known manuscript scripts of a given work in an effort to trace the history of variations within the text so as to discover its original form. And quote, Biblical Criticisms, Gordon Fee, Zondervan, Zondervan Publishing House, page 127. Protestant scholars have contributed an immense amount of excellent study in this field, but many of its ministers have taken the biased attitude that several Catholics have, namely, that the Bible contains no errors. Catholic doctrine maintains that because the books of the Bible have God as an author, they are free from errors. Any theory that detracts from biblical in inerrancy is reprobate. Reprobated. The clear statement of the Catholic doctrine on biblical inerrancies is found in the provit. So that's kind of a big old word. It's Latin. Providentissimus Deus Leo the Thirteenth states that inerrancy is an inescapable colliery of divine inspiration. Wow, I'm actually related to that guy. <sighs> I I am I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but as I study the history of my ancestors, I just shake my head oh, so many times. I'm like, oh my gosh. I it's I don't even know. Like I'm not ashamed to be related to these people, but sometimes I'm just like, what in the world were they thinking? And oh, I I love to learn about history, but <sighs> mankind disgusts me. The history of this world disgusts me. People in power, they're corrupt. They're disgusting. And I think any one of us if we are placed in positions of power, 
we would be corrupted. So, I don't know. I think that we're all sinners who need, who need a Savior and uh, need to take a hard look at ourselves when we actually do have power or influence or money um, or to know, are we really on the right side of history? Are we, we really using our stewardships correctly? Um, I know that's just a little bit of a tangent, and I'll get off of it right now because I'm going to get back to this. So Leo the Thirteenth states of the inerrancy in an inescapable corollary of divine inspiration. For all, quote, for all the books are written wholly and entirely with all their parts at the dictation of the Holy Spirit. So far, so far it is from being possible that any error can coexist with inspiration. That inspiration not only is essential, incompatible with error, but excludes and rejects as it is impossible that God himself, the supreme truth, can utter that which is not true. And that's in Den's um, 3292. The pontiff adds that those who maintain that error are possibly in any genuine passage of sacred writings must either pervert the Catholic notions of inspiration or make God the author of such errors. And that's called, uh, or that's from um, ENCH Bible 126, the New Catholic Encyclopedia, Volume 2, page 519. And uh, we're actually on page 9 now at 49%. Some Catholics, as well as other Protestants, Accept the Bible as literally the Word of God, thus being God's revelation to man. However, they are still acknowledge they still acknowledge the errors and textual faults of the translators and copyists. They conclude that popes have emphasized, however, that the original texts only were inspired and free from error and that copies and translations are inerrant in insofar as they conform to the original text, but no original texts are extant, and copies and translations contain additions, omissions, and other textual faults. It is the task of textual criticism to correct these mistakes. Pius XII, who was a... Uh, I think he was... Uh, a pope wrote of the textual criticisms quote it is very its very purpose is to ensure that the sacred text be restored as perfectly as possible be purified from the corruptions due to the carelessness of copyists and be freed as far as it may be done from glosses and omissions from the interchange of repetition of words and from all other kinds of mistakes. End quote, the New Catholic Encyclopedia, Volume 2, page 514. Both Protestants and Catholics have admitted that, quote, 
One of the most important problems about the Bible is that of establishing an accurate text. Before the invention of printing, copies of the Bible had to be made by scribes who laboriously transcribed the text from other copies. Because of the mistakes which were made in this process, the different manuscripts the different manuscripts of the Bible showed numerous minor disagreements. Textual scholars attempt to reconstruct the original text, and we're on page uh, 10 at 64%. And by the way, um, I think this only goes to page 11. So we've got 10 and 11, so basically two pages left. Excuse me. The textual uh, scholars attempt to reconstruct the original text of the Bible by comparing the different manuscripts, and especially the earliest ones. And quote, Encyclopedia of World Methodism, Volume 1, page 264. Most authors correct their own writings after the first edition is published. Perhaps years or centuries later, another person may also make revisions and corrections. Corrective criticism is not an evil, but often a valuable service. All criticism is not condemnation. It is usually a method of correcting human errors or clarifying some meaning. Many religious fanatics and anti-Mormon zealots convey the idea that because Mormons believe the Bible needs some correction in its translations, that they do not believe the Bible. The fact that thousands of Protestant scholars have been making hundreds of Bible revisions should be evidence to them that it must contain errors. An American citizen may say that our government has laws, regulations, and codes that are unclear, incorrect, and need revision, but that does not make them un-American, nor indicate that they think the whole government is wrong. Neither can it be said of the Book of Mormon because that because it contains some errors, it cannot be from God. Human wisdom and human error manifest themselves in anything that man does, and God depends on man for the tra- translation, translating and publishing of his word. The only text that God ever wrote himself was the Ten Commandments with his finger on stone, but we do not have that original text either. Just because a translator made an error doesn't mean that the original author blundered or that the whole text should be discarded. Textual criticism is the necessary science compared with all manuscripts and tracing variations within the text to discover its original form. It is important for interpretation because it helps to reveal what the original author actually said. Number two, it helps to discover the original meaning of what was written. Number three, it helps to reveal the errors, opinions, interpolations, and additional inserts by other scribes. 
And now we're on the last page, page 11 at 82% through the reading for today. In addition, then, textual criticism asks, what does it say before it asks, what does it mean? An accurate translator or textual critic is the person who is in quest of what the original author had in mind. Many centuries, over many centuries, and our translators and scribes have unintentionally or even purposely added errors, opinions, and various church interpretations into their Bible revisions, thus changing the meaning of the original author's intent and purpose. For instance, one edition of the Bible became known as the Wicked Bible because it left the word not out of the seventh commandment, making it read, Thou shalt commit adultery. The possibility of human error has always existed in the writing and printing of every kind of book, even the Bible. Contained in this publication is a study into the many problems confronting Bible translators. It gives a closer look at many problems of translation, not as a criticism of the Bible itself, nor of the original manuscripts, but as an explanation of the human factors involved. It briefly explains that difficulty difficulties translators have faced in tr- trying to explain the original author's intent. A diligent and objective research into these ancient texts will prove that Joseph Smith knew and understood more of the Bible biblical translations and revisions and uh, revisions that all the thousands of ministers who condemn him as a false prophet. The deeper we investigate the history and content of this great book, the more we will conclude the Bible indeed contains the word of God as far as it, as it is translated correctly. So that's the end of that chapter. When we come back for episode 701, we'll be on page 12, which is chapter 2, History of Biblical Manuscripts. So anyway, I'm glad that we were able to start this book. Um, I'm glad that, um, that I'm able to... Uh, present this to you for your consideration and your edification. Um, I think that it's good to get off of sandy foundations and these people that believe that uh, in sola scriptura, I actually feel sorry for them because they believe that sola scriptura, meaning the Bible is the inerrant word of God and that whatever the translation says, and whatever their interpretation is, is the truth. Well, we can see through um, critical manuscripts and uh, a history of biblical manuscripts that we actually cannot come to truth in and of ourselves or in following men in the flesh, uh, men and women in the flesh, whether they be our prophets, priests, um, bishops, popes, whatever, that we actually have a tool to go to God 
to receive revelation and confirmation of the Spirit, to know the truth of all things through the gift of God's Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the third member of the Godhead, and all that that entails. That we're not left in the darkness if we will seek out the light. And I bring these things to you for your consideration and pray that you will seek to know truth and not just trust in anyone in the flesh, including myself. Go to God. He is your Father, and He has set up this plan of salvation, including allowing you to know the truth of all things. Through His witness and a confirmation of His Holy Spirit. And I say these things to you in the name of our Messiah. Amen.